Hey there folks, Ian here, and welcome back to uh, Dude and a Monkey. Um, we'll just get into part two, really, so here you go. Uh, kicking off with my number five, I believe. Uh, even though, you know what, I'm probably wrong. Enjoy! So, uh, my number five. Now then, my number five is a film that did not appear in my top ten when we did 35mm Heroes. Oh, you watched it since? No, oh, is it, uh... no, no, it's a rejig. Uh, it actually... That's a big jig. Yeah, it is. And it's because of, uh, basically, Jordan had it in his top ten, and it got me thinking, and it basically had me thinking, okay, I've only seen it once, because my justification for it not being in my top ten was, I've only seen it once, I'm not entirely sure how I feel about it on a rewatch, but, frankly, I... You know, it's already getting a lot of kudos. I, you know, and I think it deserves it. My my number five is Skyfall, um, and um, it, 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 I mean, it initially wasn't in my top ten, but thinking about it, it is just, it is the best Bond movie ever made. I, it is. Um, there are holes you can pick out with the plot, but there are with all Bond movies. But what this... Row is all movies. And all there movies. Is, there is no single movie that if you look hard enough, you can't pit, find a, 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 a plot hole. But, by the same token, there is no plot hole that you can find in a good movie. A proper good movie, which Skyfall clearly is. Then there is no plot hole that you can find in a good movie made by an intelligent filmmaker that that filmmaker won't be able to answer. Just because someone thinks something is a plot hole doesn't mean it actually exists as a, as a plot hole. And people saying, oh, well, this, what about this? Right, if you meet Sam Mendes or you meet one of the writers of the film, ask them it, and I guarantee you they'll have an answer for it. Yeah. And it won't be Wizards did it. <laughs> no, uh, no, abs- absolutely. Um, uh, it, it just—it's a combination of. <clears throat> sorry, it's not a combination of blow my nose. Uh, It's—it's it's a combination of um, incredibly classy production values and talent. Frankly, you know, Sam Mendes directing it. Um, uh, Deakins. Uh, yeah, yeah. D- I mean, Deakins cinematography, which you know is one of the first examples of digital cinematography, which stands completely shoulder to shoulder with uh, 35mm. Uh, oh, yeah, it is digital, isn't it? Yeah, that's the thing. And it was the first time Roger Deakins is shot in digital. And he's now said, just like, OK, I can do this with digital. I'll just be digital from now on then. You know, and, and it, 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 the, I've, I've said it many a time when uh, just talking about Skyfall, but... The Shanghai sequence where they are fighting with that neon stuff in the background, the neon sign in the background, is wonderful. the single most memorable shot of any film from last year for me, frankly. Absolutely staggering shot. Um, yeah, and, and, I mean, the, the plot is an awful lot of fun. Uh, you know, I mean, it's a really good plot and shit matters. There is stuff to really get a hold of. Um, it manages to complete the the kind of the reboot of Bond in a way where like the end of the film, which is you know self-indulgent in the loveliest way, um, just manages to feel like okay, let's just carry on like this forever. Then please, you know, it it absolutely staggering uh, achievement, uh, frankly, 
and uh, also shows that, you know, production delays, they, you know, they can have some fucking good results. And Skyfall, if it was made when it was originally going to be made, like a year beforehand, it would not have been as good. It would not, uh, the story would not have been as tight. It's just, it, it's wonderful. It's looking back, it's looking forward, it's Skyfall, and it's, it's, it really, really is fantastic. And I don't know why I didn't have it in my top ten in the first place. Um, I, I've only watched it once, uh, and I think it's my number twelve. I think I will appreciate it more on 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 a rewatch. Um, I, I I always get out of bond. I didn't. I wasn't. I, I enjoyed Casino Royale first time I watched it, <laughs> and I adored it the second time. I actually like Quantum of Solace, um, but I've watched that a few times. But uh, yeah, it does look outstanding. Mendes uh, directs it as a Bond film. Um, he doesn't direct it as a Sam Mendes film, he directs it as Sam Mendes directing a Bond film. Totally. Uh, Daniel Craig is, is fantastic and he, he feels really confident in the role now. Like he, he's got the role now. The first one was him bursting into the role and improving that he could do it. The second one, um, it, it was muddled and it, it, I think he was confused about it because the writing was confused about it. Yeah. Um, and it didn't give him chance to really, to really take the bond that he'd created so wonderfully in Casino Royale. Um, it didn't give him a chance to take it forward. I still like Contra Solace, but I like it as a bond film, not as a standalone film. Uh, whereas Casino Royale, I, I, I adore it. It's one of my favourite films of the past 10 years. Um, Skyfall, he takes that, that bit further. You know, he takes it, really grasps it, and it's a real confidence uh, where he's going. This is Bond. This is my Bond. Yeah, uh, and and that that's brilliant. And I think the fact that that it was it, he didn't pick Sam Mendes, but he suggested Sam Mendes to um, you know to the producers uh, when they were trying to you know look at people they'd like to direct it, and you know when Sam Mendes' voice you know, name came up. Uh, initially, apparently, the producers were a little bit like, oh, well, Sam Mendes could do it, and Craig, having worked with him before, you know, said, you know, like, yeah, he, you know, he, he's a great director and he could most definitely do it, and that was where they thought, right, well, let's talk to him, and it, it moved on. It, it, it proved, Skyfall definitively proves that Bond films are now more than Bond films, uh, and that's. I don't want to say that I'm criticising all Bond films, but Bond films used to be made for Bond fans. Now they're not. They're something else. They're temple pieces. They're, they deserve to be considered not just as that, as being, are oh, they Bond films. You know, when people say, oh, I'm not going to watch Skyfall like Bond films. It's like, you know, they're not just, it's not just a Bond film, you know, it's not, it's not a fucking carry on movie, you know, they're more than that now. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I mean, that, that's, the, that's the thing, and I mean, like, I, I, who, who the fuck is going to direct the next one? Like, will, I, like, I, I think it would show incredible strength of character, slash an incredible amount of hubris, if Sam Mendes does it again, and, uh, and, 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 and tries to match it, but it's just, it, it, I don't know, it's just, 
I don't know where they go from here, because like you say, they're not just Bond films anymore. I mean, Skyfall is the biggest film at the UK box office ever, not adjusted for inflation. Ever. You know, it, it, like, there's... And it, it grows over, it's, it's broken the billion mark. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, because the, the, the fact is, it's a four-quadrant, like, anyone will go and see it, basically, apart from, like, I don't know, three-year-old girls... You know, it's just anybody else would go and see Skyfall. And, I, God, where they go from here, I just... I, I mean, a testament to Skyfall is uh, my in-laws went to see it last week, um, in the week in between Christmas and New Year, they went to see Skyfall. Uh, and they said it was packed. That's That's... Eight, nine weeks after release, probably longer, probably ten weeks after release, and they said it was packed. The last time, so, the last time I remember something like that happened was Mamma Mia, where <laughs> like literally it was selling out shows even the week before the DVD came out. Yeah, and it, it comes out in a, in what six weeks? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's like mid February. Yeah, you know, it, it's and it's great. Uh, the, the place I think it'll go from here, <laughs> I think. You'll have maybe Mendes will do another, but I don't think they'll double director it. I think somebody else will do it, and I think not the next one, the one after will be the Nolan one. It could well be. Eh? I don't. I, I think Nolan's too smart to do the next one <laughs> because it, the next one will be compared with Skyfall, and the, it, it's going to be hard to top Skyfall. Whereas the not next one, the one after that isn't going to be compared with Skyfall, it's going to be compared with the next one. I think the next one, I think it's going to be them actually saying, how are we supposed to compete with Skyfall? All right, let's just take it down a notch. Yeah, and, possibly. And and just, like, have have a standalone adventure that's a bit more like a traditional Bond film, and then try it. But, like, but in this world that's been set up by Skyfall now where you can even bring in, like, actual, I don't know, storytelling with some sort of import. Like, that, that sequence where Bond is rushing to the uh, the kind of the Whitehall uh, interrogation of Judy Dench, and Dench is, uh, like, talking about whether spies are needed anymore, you know, in, in, in our world. I mean, it's not much, but it is... It, it, you know, it is something where they are they are pushing it, and it, like you say, it's not just a Bond film. And I mean, I, yeah, the standout the standout scene for me uh, in it, and it, it it's a nothing bit, but there's a bit where he's going through his physical um, bit, and he's doing pull-ups. Now, anybody who's actually tried to do a pull-up, they are phenomenally difficult yeah, to do. Yeah, sure. You know, when you see guys in movies who are just doing them. And just kind of like doing them, they're not doing them properly a lot of the time. Um, you know, Daniel Craig's actually doing them, um, and Bond's supposed to have a bit of a hangover at this point. Um, and then Henry leaves the room, and he just collapses. Yeah. And it's the it, it's the first time I've seen, and I'm not a Bond aficionado, so I, I, I'm well aware that I'm probably wrong on this. But it's the first time that you see a broken Bond. It's the first time that little skit where he can't hit the targets and his physicality's gone a little bit. Um, 
it's the first time you see him a little bit broken, uh, and it, it it takes it to that different level with that. And I thought, just there's, there's a little, and of course, Deacon shoots it so beautifully. It, it's a wonderful little scene. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I'm just trying to think of kind of broken Bond. I mean, I don't know, Pierce Brosnan with a beard when he gets released from the captivity and die another day. Yeah, but, I don't know, but, you know, it but is... that, that's, that's still it. He still looks far too well-groomed, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, he, 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 looks, he looks like he's grown that beard ironically. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that, that's, that's, that's Skyfall. It just, God, I'm looking forward to seeing it again. Um, okay, so we will now do our top five uh, pleasant surprises. So, um, hit me with your number five, Mark. Well, I, I, I don't know to rattle through these without, without saying too much. Um, my number five is a film I knew nothing about going into Fright Fest uh, and fucking loved. Uh, I know me, you, Noel, Jordan and uh, Stefan all watched it. Um, and we all loved it and we all didn't expect to love it as much as we did, and it was Eurocrime. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a documentary about the um, Italian 70s Polichesa films um, and the crime films of that era. Um, what I will say is just, it, it, if it crops up, and I think it is gonna, apparently it is going to crop up on US Netflix very soon, apparently. Oh, really? Uh, is what I've had. I'm sure somebody tweeted and saying it's slated to go on Netflix in, I think, February. Um I know that there are rumblings that he's going to get a DVD and Blu-ray release this year. Um, so once it crops up, Eurocrime, it is a, it's two and a bit hours long, but honestly, it, it blasts by with a, and a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to seeing it again with a pad and a, um, a, a pen so I can write down all these great looking films. It's a fuckload of fun. It's a brilliantly displayed documentary. And I know we all we all loved it, and we're chatting about how how much fun it was. It's not often documentaries is that much fun, and it was fun and great and wonderful to see um, all these people talking about the movies that they were in with such kind of reverence, and you know they enjoyed it, and they all seem to be looking back and going, "God, it was fun," because you know they were shit, but they were great. You know, they were saying, "Oh, look how camp they were! Oh, look how bad they were!" Oh no, they were going, "Yeah, they were, they were misogynistic, or they were sexist, but they were supposed to be, and they were all these things, and they were violent, and we we basically just stole stuff from Dirty Harry, and it was great." So that was my number, my number five. What was your number five? Yeah, fantastic, a lot of fun. Uh, my number five. Um, my number five and four, I will just say, are basically in here because I expected them to be utter shit. Worst film of the year contenders and while these are not even touching maybe even my top 50 the fact that they're kind of in the middle of my overall list for the year says something my number five is um uh wrath of the titans uh oh really yeah which uh clash of the titans was truly one of the worst films of uh 2010 uh awful 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 experience uh wrath of the titans amps up the yes, this is fucking ridiculous, let's just kind of go with that level. And uh, if nothing, if for nothing else, then it contains a scene where Liam Neeson and Ray Fiennes stand walking side by side, just chucking CGI shit at other p- at enemies. 
just like literally <laughs> side by side, just waving their hands in the air while like shit just explodes. Uh, it's it's just. I don't know. I had fun with it. So my number five is Wrath of the Titans. There you go. Uh, your four, Mark. My number four, uh, again, <laughs> this is one of those films that I thought was going to be woeful and terrible. And you know what? It is It is not very good. But that doesn't mean to say I didn't have a lot of fun with it. And I am very surprised to say this. My number four is Pitch Perfect. It's it's absolutely not made for me. It's made for 14 and 15 year old girls. Absolutely. Um, it, it's not a clever story. It's not even funny. The, the lead character is not likeable at all. And she's played by Anna Kendrick, who seemingly, I never thought she could ever play somebody who wasn't likeable. It's got, um, what's her name? Um, the one who plays oh, Rebel Amy. Wilson, yeah. Rebel Wilson, who, I'm sorry, is not funny at all, right? Basically, having a fat Australian or New Zealand um, version of Ricky Gervais doesn't work. She isn't funny. I'm sorry, I've seen a lot of things they're in and I've not laughed once. But what I will say is a lot of the songs made me smile, and at the end of it, I thought, ah, do you know what? I had fun with it. Fuck it. I, I, I don't mind saying it's nowhere near my top 50 or anything like that, but I expected to absolutely fucking hate it. But I didn't mind it. Because it's fucking stupid. And it is... One thing that I was going to bring up uh, in our... We were going to review this, and then didn't in the end, because we just... We didn't have time. Yeah. Uh, it became the Alex Cross episode. Um, is the um, oh, uh, you know David Getter? What? What? Because she's obviously likes music, and she's not going to know one of the most celebrated club DJs yeah. in the world at the fucking moment. Fucking you ridiculous moment, bitch! Ridiculous no. moment. Um, it. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense throughout the film. She's a twat, but I enjoyed it. Partially because of the guy in it. Um, I, I enjoyed him. I disagree. Let's move on. <laughs> Probably best. Uh, okay, so what are we doing now? Uh, my number four, is it? Is your number four? Okay, my number four. Um, the... Last installment in this franchise released in, I think, 2010, I believe I called 90 minutes of an ADD adult 12-year-old masturbating in your face in 3D. My number four is the next installment of this franchise and is my number four most pleasant surprise of the year. It's Resident Evil Retribution. Oh, shit, really? Uh, Which I had a lot of fun with. Because Paul W.S. Anderson knows this is fucking retarded and just, like, video game nonsense and just runs with it. It makes no sense whatsoever. The plot is entirely video game in structure where they, I think they actually say there are levels. So you basically (laughs) have a level and a boss fight and then a level and then a boss fight 
rinse and repeat. Um, but it just, I had fun watching this and it might be something to do with the circumstances where in which I watched it, where I was watching it coming back from uh, London Film Festival prematurely uh, because of family reasons. And I was feeling quite down because of that. And I was rather tired and hungover and I just needed a pick me up. And amazingly, this worked very, very well. It's as mad as a bag of badges, um, but like just Resident Evil Afterlife, it it was an affront to everything I hold dear in loving cinema. Resident Evil 5 is just retarded fun, and I appreciated it. And the last shot is really, really fun and good. So my number four is Resident Evil Retribution, and I never expected to say that. Your number three, Mark. My number three uh, is a film that I expected to enjoy it. I didn't expect to enjoy it as much as I did. I expected a completely different type of film. My number three is Goon. Um, it is portrayed, or I went into it thinking it was a goofball sports film, which I have no problem with. I quite like goofball sports films. But it's actually quite a sweet movie. Um, he's actually quite a, a sweet character, um, and I, I just—it's such a lovely film. <laughs> you wouldn't think it, uh, it going in, and you wouldn't think it after the first sort of twenty minutes. But I just—I I really, really enjoyed it. Nice. I got—I I got nothing really else to say on that other than the fact that it, it's a great, great movie, and it, it took me by surprise how enjoyable it was. Yep, fair play. I, I had a lot of fun with Goon as well. It's not in my list, but that's that's a good choice. Right, go on, what's your number three? Uh, my number three, film we saw at Fright Fest. Wasn't expecting anything from it, but with a few beers and on the opening night, it was a lot of fun. Cockneys vs. Zombies. Um, it just, I don't know, had a good time with it. Made me laugh. Really good gore. Uh, you know, the action sequences were all right. Likeable characters. Uh, Pacey, just um, yeah, I, I fully expected it to be absolute bollocks, and it turned out to be a really solid hour and a half, and uh, a good on those involved, frankly, because it probably shouldn't have been good, but it was. Yeah, uh, completely agree. Uh, it, it, it's I liked it as well. Really liked it, uh, and I it, it could have put my surprises to be honest, uh, possibly sure of them, uh, but yeah, it, it's, it's the fact that. It's so piercing, and the jokes fly off the tongue. Um, I think the only thing that lets that film down is is the title, to be honest. That's I fair. If had a, if, if had a, the title makes it seem like it's a lot more low rent than it actually is. Yeah, that's that's a good point. That's a very good point. Um, so you're uh, number two, Mark. My number two is a film that most people will shout and disagree with me on, and I don't give a fuck. My number two is American Reunion, because that film should have been a car crash. It should have been an absolute abomination. They should never have gone back to make, to make it because it was never going to work. And then it did. I The thing that always gets lost in the American movies is the first one is a great fucking movie. The second one's alright. I fucking hate the third movie. Um... And the fourth movie did exactly what I wanted it to do. It gave me those characters 
at this age that I am now because when it gave me them initially I was the age they were it gave me those characters the age I am now and what they are all struggling with is the fact that they are adults they're nearly 30 they've all got jobs families and stuff like that and it's the thing of I'm 30 years old I don't feel like an adult yet and I've been married for nearly 10 years and I have an 8 year old daughter but it I still don't feel like an adult, and that film gave me another hour and a half with those characters that, you know, 13, 14 years ago, I fell in love with, and I still love them now, and I adored it, thought it was great. It, I'm not going to fucking pretend and say that it should be in like my top 25 film of the year. It shouldn't be. But it wasn't the car crash it could have been. Yeah, no, totally. Um, it's yeah, I I had fun with American Reunion as well. I it I, I think a lot of it does come back come down to nostalgia for the characters. But if you're a fan, yeah, yeah. yeah I think if you're a fan of the franchise, um, which I think we both are, I, I you know it's it's hard to hard to knock it really. Um, more than enough laughs. It's nice to see them again, and I maybe wouldn't want a sequel in two years, but give it ten years, and why not? Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that. I'd say it'd be a good one to come back to. Yeah, in 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 yeah, between eight and ten years, that's so seven and ten years time. It'd be nice to go back to them as they're all sort of pushing that next level where their kids are maybe you know at teenage age. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think it could be very interesting. Um, What's your number two? My number two is a film that I basically only went to see on the strength of good word of mouth and was uh, glad I did. Um, uh, the very, very, very good uh, The Perks of Being a Wallflower, which, um, yes, you can get hung up on the how did the kids not know it was... Uh, Heroes by David Bowie. Yeah. Uh, have you seen this? Yes. Yeah. Um, you can get hung up on that. That's fair enough. It's a good point. But Logan Lerman actually shows that he can act, which I never expected, Ezra Miller shows that he can do something at least slightly different than Kevin. Uh, Emily, uh, Emma Watson, sorry, is... Uh, not Emily Watson, that would have been a fucking different film. Uh, would have been, that would have been great. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Uh, Emma Watson uh, is decent, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't go any further than saying Emma Watson is decent. She's good at points, but then when she, <laughs> when she sees a scene that she thinks, this is my scene that's when she falters. Sure, sure. Also, also as well, for a girl who is as physically attractive as she is, has zero sex appeal. It is, that is weird. Yeah, she, she yeah, yeah. Because, oh, everything's right, everything's yeah. right, but she is not as sexy as she seems to think she is. Uh, she's nowhere near as sexy as people have told her she is. Uh, absolutely, yes. Um, yeah, yeah, no, uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know whether it's the Hermione thing or something, or but it is. Yeah, it's it, the it, it's the sexy teacher effect. Everybody thinks <laughs> at school they're a sexy teacher, right? Probable fact is your sexy teacher probably wasn't that sexy. It's just because she was your teacher. Yeah, yeah. That's that's. Well, I, no, I, I don't know. There's one teacher of mine from uh, secondary school that I, I don't know, uh, think 
might be still quite attractive. But anyway, sorry. Um, fucking hell. Oh, Miss Carpenter. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I, I think that's probably fair. Um, but I, 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 yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I very, very much got on board. Um, it worked for me emotionally. Um, I liked its slightly shambling structure where, you know, like the, the kind of the narrative through line kind of changed up a little bit and i i really like the ending as well um it, it yeah i mean it, it all just rather spoke to me i'm not going to say it made me remember what it was like to be at secondary school or anything like that because you know frankly uh i didn't have any girl show a whiff of interest in me in secondary school i'll tell you that for fucking free uh but um yeah uh i i don't know i yeah sorry i i I don't really know what to say. It's just, it's, it's really well written. I think it was generally well acted and uh, just, I was not expecting a fucking thing. Was not a fan of the marketing in the slightest and uh, was very... Right. It, it, was, it was hipster marketing at its absolute fucking worst. Yeah, totally. Um, but I, you know, a very pleasant surprise and my number two. Your number one, Mark? The Amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, you really like this, don't you? I fucking loved it. I loved it. it it's not entered my top ten um, just because I, 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 when I, I watched it twice and when I went back and watched it the second time I was like, right I, I didn't have the same emotional responses that I had the first time um, so it, it did pull it back a little bit but I loved it, thought it was great thought Andrew Garfield was fantastic Emma Stone was as wonderful as she always is I also thought Martin Sheen was great as that character, that dynamic was brilliant I didn't care about the whole fucking lizard shit. Um, and, yeah, it doesn't look great in CGI, but it, it, it's really fucking difficult to make a man-sized lizard look good, no matter how good a CGI you've got. It's always going to look a little bit weird. Do you know why? They don't exist. We're not used to seeing them. Seeing them drawn, that's different. Seeing them actually physically there and in a presence with um, with a, a man in a spider suit, yeah, that's fucking weird. Um, but I don't care. Um, I I enjoyed the character um, mainly because it reminded me of the Amazing Spider-Man comics. I loved it. Thought it was great. Really fucking hope they do another one. Um, and yeah, again. I don't give a shit if other people didn't like it. I liked it, thought it really connected well, thought Garfield got across the the emotion of the character really well because um, I still don't think Tom Maguire did. Tom Maguire played him as a geek and a nerd um, and he, he he wasn't that. He wasn't, he was um, he was a middle ground kid. He was an average kid. You know, he wasn't one of the jocks, but he wasn't one of the nerds. He was Peter Parker. He was, you know, he was your average kid, and that's where he was supposed to be. And I think Raimi took him too far the other way and made him a little bit insipid. Or Maguire made him insipid, and I didn't like that about the Raimi films. Uh, but I, I, I was, after the bashing it got off almost everybody, I went into it with expectations so low, uh, and I, I fucking loved it. Uh, yeah, it got better for me on a rewatch. To be honest, um, I, I'm I'm solidly at a four out of five for Amazing Spider-Man. I think Garfield's great. I think the chemistry with it uh, between him and Stone is fantastic. 
if Gwen Stacy goes the way I think she's going to go, considering they've got MJ in the second one, uh, I think the end of the second one could be pretty fucking devastating. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, the, se- the second one as well, uh, solid cast assembling for that as well. Um, uh, Dane DeHaan from Chronicle, um, uh, uh, Charlene Woodley from uh, from The Descendants as MJ, um, and you know the other cast members and Jamie Foxx and whatnot. It's um, I think they've they've got solid foundations, and it'll be it'll be good now that they've got the origin out of the way to see them actually do different things. Because if there is a criticism of um, if there is a criticism of Amazing Spider-Man for me, it's that they did have a chance to mix things up a bit more, and I don't think they did. For instance, you know, it's it's a film world. Wouldn't it have been interesting if Uncle Ben actually lived? Um, or, like, if he died at least somehow differently, I suppose. These these are just, like, problems I had with it. But, you know, there are an awful lot of strong elements. And like I say, I, I you know, I, I went up in my estimation on second watch. Cool. Um, Mr. Safe, my business is just going to be watching VHS and has just texted me saying, VHS is kind of meh. Fair enough. Yeah. So, yeah, so she wasn't, she wasn't that much a fan. Uh, what is your biggest surprise of the year? I love that Becky's so scared of being, like, of having her voice heard that she, like, she'll actually text you. Donna's gone <laughs> over that. She, she's a little bit more okay to kind of just say a couple of things if she has to but that, that's fun um okay so my number one pleasant surprise uh john carter um you know in in, in the end of the day uh when the market the marketing for this film was appalling um yeah. and I, I i i don't know i just i really really like john carter i've, I've seen it I've, I've seen that three times i saw it twice in the cinema uh, um sorry go on. I, I I I agree. I, I watched it uh, about a week ago. Uh, uh, in fact, a week ago, well, last Sunday. I thought it was great. No, I didn't. I watched it. I, no, I watched it. Uh, it was the first one I watched in 2013. Nice, good choice. Great family fun. A proper adventure film. Um, had um, certain film critics and certain people not had a very biased agenda against it. Um, then I think it would have been a lot better. Um, it reminded me of the thrill I got watching um, the Last Crusade at the cinema. Yeah, that's yeah, that, that's yeah, exactly. That's the thing. It's it's defiantly old school adventure storytelling. It, I mean, complete with hero swinging and saving damsel in distress shot. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's it, it's going for those kinds of things, but with really really impressive production values i mean it was yeah. it was expensive it'll probably never make its money back but i you know in in terms of just being a solid like family adventure i hope it gets its due one day because it deserves it i thoroughly agree and also as well you've got william defoe playing a <laughs> an entirely cgi character yet Still being Willem Dafoe. Yeah, that's the thing. He feels totally like Willem Dafoe. It's bizarre. Yeah. It's uh, you know what I say on John Carter. He's fuck the hair as you're wrong. And Mr. Kermode, if you're listening, which you fucking aren't, but if you are, you need to stop beating the fucking drum and actually tell us why you don't like it. Apart from the fact that it costs too much and it's in 3D. Actually, give us other reasons. And the title and the fact that Andrew Stanton was, yes, he was sniffy. Prickly. I, he was prickly on the interview. 
but yeah, okay. you, you actually I, need to say why you didn't like the film, apart from the fact that it was in 3D. Exactly. Anyway, um... Uh, by the way, I completely agree with you, 3D is fucking horrendous <laughs> as a medium. It can go fuck itself. Sick of it. Nice. I'm done with it. Okie dokie, right. let's get back into it then, because uh, we're nearly two hours in. Uh, you're... Well, yeah, I, I, we, we can, well, I think we'll, a few of these we, we'll kind of, we'll, we'll batter through. Okay, your number four, Mark. My number four is a film that you've already mentioned, it is 21 Jump Street. Sweet. Uh, right. A film where, when it first sort of, um, came out they were making it, I was very much like, what the fuck, seriously? Then when it came out, it was directing it. I was like, right, all right, you know, that's interesting. Then when it came out, it was starring in it. I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm a lot more interested. Then when it came out, there was going to be a Johnny Depp um, cameo. I was less interested. Um, and then when I saw the trailer, I was like, Do you know what? Fuck it. Yes, I am well up for that. Um, it's also one of the best cinema experiences I had of the year. Went to see it with my missus in a, you know, maybe a third full cinema. And we were the only two people laughing, and we were laughing a lot. There's a ten minute period where they're just about to sort of they start getting ready to go out of the school, and then the tripping out sequence. Oh yeah. There's about a ten fifteen minute period from the start there to the end of that bit where I I literally couldn't stop laughing. It was punch after punch. <laughs> Characters are brilliant. Uh, the writing's fantastic. Uh, it is. It is one of the funniest films I have seen in a long, long time, and I am, I am very harsh on comedy. Um, I let certain comedies get away with stuff. Uh, for instance, I like the change up. Let that get away with a lot. But a lot of other comedies, I will watch that people have celebrated. For instance, Bridesmaids. They were celebrated that. Watched it and was like, really? Is that it? One fucking funny. Um, I'm a very harsh on comedy, and I fucking adored this movie. Um, it, it, the fact that I enjoyed it so much nearly pushed it to be my favourite movie, but the ones above it I just felt were better films. Um, so this is this is me being very. The next ones are yeah. ones I maybe won't watch as much, but I think they're better movies and putting. Twenty-one Jump Street ahead of them would have been putting them there. The simple fact is that that experience of this movie was better than maybe the experience of the other movies. Um, but I absolutely adored it, and I know that it was in your list, so go. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, just like you say, that that it, it just it is consistently funny, um, and it's not just in the dialogue; it's in the visuals as well, like the the tripping sequence, uh, the boxmark doves. That is released when they come out of the car. I mentioned it on Heroes. It's still that. It's a bit of an individual thing, but that still might be yeah. my funniest moment of 2012, uh, frankly. And this moment of 2012 comes from this film, and it's another move. It's another thing. <laughs> and it's the, it's the bit where he throws the pen up in the air and goes, fuck you, science. Yeah. Back. Absolutely. The amount of times since I've seen this film where I've done something and actually thrown whatever I've been holding in my hand up in the air and gone, fuck you, science. It was the last thing I did at work. I logged off assistant at work. I had a pen in my hand, threw the pen up in, my, in the air, 
and shouted "fuck you, science," and then left work. And yeah, brilliant, good stuff. And and the best thing about that as well is the fact that all he's written is the number four repeatedly on the whiteboard. <laughs> it's it's fucking amazing. Oh uh, uh, yeah, uh, and also I have two Channing Tatum films on my list this year. But in my top ten. But what a fucking year, hey! That's the thing. What a year. Uh, yeah, um, and he thoroughly deserves it. Yeah, defo. Um, right, okie dokie. Um, oh, fuck, where are we? So, my number four? Yeah. Uh, no, it's your number five, isn't it? It's my... No, no, you have to go number five. Number five. Yeah, okay, good, don't scare me like that. Um, I thought my list was being fucked up then. Um, and number four is one that you uh, mentioned earlier on. It's Dread. Um, Yay. Yeah, defo. Uh, best straight-up action film of the year for me. Uh, I know you, we were talking about 3D a second ago, but the, the 3D in Dread is genuinely really, really fun and adds to the uh, atmosphere. The slow-mo sequences are insane. I mean, Anthony Dodd-Mantle's uh, cinematography here is uh, amazing, uh, frankly. The, um, the Peach Trees is this just horrible, oppressive place. Um, and, uh, and, and yet when the slow-mo happens, uh, it's like, it's beautiful, but really, really disturbing violence at the same time. Just the amount of limbs and heads and whatnot that explode are absolutely insane. Uh, Carl Urban, like you said, is great. Uh, I, I really liked Olivia Frilby as well. Um, you know, she's got her helmet off, but it's for a reason, and she has a good dynamic with Dredd. I like the fact that Dredd's character arc is basically, he starts off gruff and tough and finishes gruff and tough. He, he, yeah, he, but the fact that he, he doesn't swear at all, the only time where he shows a moment <coughs> is where he gets shot, and he kind of goes, <laughs> yeah, it was brilliant. Exactly, and all he does is grumble. Exactly. Yeah. Um, he, 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 he actually he, he doesn't seem worried that he's been shot. He seems angry. Yeah, that's <laughs> not, the... not not even not even that someone you know, the, the person that shot him that he's actually been shot and it might slow him down. Yeah, abs- no, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, no, totally. It's just like wow, this is getting in my way. Um, uh, uh, great score, um, brilliant opening as well. Um, great use of budget, you know. Um, have it be nice and wide and expansive for like the first 10, 15 minutes, and then just keep it all shut in. Um, it looks like there's probably not going to be a sequel just because it just did not do well enough, and that's a real shame. But quite shame. Yeah. But what what we've got here is an outstanding action film and a future cult classic. So. Uh, my number four is Dread, and I'm very happy for it to be there. Your number three, Mark? My number three is uh, William Freakin's Killer Joe. Um, I'm a Freakin fan, um, and I really liked uh, the previous film he did with um, Tracy Letts' Bug. Uh, but when people keep comparing the two, I think it's ridiculous because they're not in any way similar other than the fact that they're written by and directed by the same person. Uh-huh. To compare them is, is ridiculous. So when people say, oh yeah, but Bug's better. Well, so what? Yeah, sure. You know, all right, very, very good. Um, they're a completely different film. Um, it's Matthew McConaughey playing one of the most charismatically bastard characters you can get. You know, he looks like he's fucking loving playing this role. 
he looks like he's lapping it up. Like he's read the script and gone to that end bit and gone. And I'm not, we're not, not going to say what happens to that end bit. We can just say that end bit because people who've seen it will know what I mean. And he's gone, oh, that's fucking horrible but brilliant. Yeah. Um, amazingly brave performance from Gina, Gina Gershon. Um, she opens the film by basically showing you her groin. Yeah. Um, and then closes it by doing something else. Yeah. Um, Someone said in church, um, he's very happy playing um, these supporting characters. He's he's very happy being a character actor, and for for an actor of of his appearance and his physical presence, it's a strange thing for him to to fall into the characters that he plays. Plays it so well. Juno Temple plays this very sort of sweet and seemingly naive character but she's pulling more strings than anybody else um, in this film whether or not she realises she's doing it or not you know, is open to interpretation but she very much is um, I'm still undecided on Emile Hirsch I think that he picks better films than he is an actor um, that's an interesting way of going yeah yeah sure I don't think he's a bad actor but I don't think he's a very good actor. Or I, don't, I don't think he's a great actor. But I think he picks films in a very intelligent way. Um, and he's not afraid to take a risk. Um, I think it's a, it's, it's a great film. It's definitely not for everybody. Um, it is a blackest of black comedies. It is very shocking. It is very tense. Um, the The ending is very much a... It's not to be... I've heard people say that, oh, well, it, you know, you're not supposed to take it serious. I absolutely disagree. I think you are supposed to take it serious. It gets very dark, and that bit is supposed to be as dark and as shocking as it, as I think freaking making it. I think it's the bits around it and the fact that McConaughey's character is doing that that's the bit that make it amusing. The fact that he's taking such reverence in doing it and the fact that he's enjoying it that much, that's the bit that makes it funny, not what Gina Gershon is doing. That isn't funny. Um, I also, I don't believe it's as sexist as people are making out because of the Juno Temple character because... She's the one who seems to be in control of it all, and especially at the end. And the end scene, bam, she's she is in control of what happens for the beyond the end of the film. Yeah. Um, and she's not a weak character. She's quite a, a strong character. She's very well aware of it all. I think it's an exceptional film, and a lot of people are saying like, "Oh, it's bang, freaking back." It's like, well. Actually, he never really went anywhere. You know, he's been steadily making decent films for for the past sort of few years. You know, he's not he's maybe not got the the credence that people have given him. But you know, The Haunted was a decent enough movie. Uh, he made a film in the early nineties called Blue Chips that was decent. Uh, Bug was good. You know, he's not been churning out shit for the past <coughs> years. Um, like he was doing in the 80s. Um, 
So, a great film. Yeah, that's fair. Um, it's 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 not up in my list. I um I I rewatched it recently. I um uh I have a I have a few problems with the kind of the monologueiness of it. Um, but it's still got some of the it's certainly some of the most memorable moments of the year. And uh, yeah, I mean the the cast are all pretty fucking solid for sure. And also McConaughey, I think McConaughey might sneak an Oscar on for this as supporting, despite how black it goes based on the fact that I think a lot of the time people who are nominated for Oscars don't nominate I, I, I haven't seen the films a lot of the time I think um, and I nominate stuff off um, opinion etc hence why Meryl Street will get nominated um, even if she hasn't been in a the film they'll just make up something to nominate her because it's easier than watching a film it's interesting. I th- to be honest, I think uh, if he's going to get nominated for anything, it'll be Magic Mike, um, just because it's slightly more palatable for yeah. the audience. But I think you're, you're thinking behind its sound. Yeah. So, what is your number three of the year? My number three of the year is Wes Anderson's Moonrise Kingdom, uh, which I obviously am a massive fan of. Um, a, a, a great exploration of... Um, Young love and old regret, uh, but m- uh, thankfully focused on the uh, the young love. Really, uh, two great performances uh, by Cara Haywood and Jared Gilman. Um, it's Wes Anderson doing his Wes, An- Wes Anderson thing, but actually remembering to tell a story that not just he and his writing partners appreciate. Um, I, I mean, I liked Fantastic Mr. Fox, but Darjeeling Limited went so high, uh, far up his ass that it, it, I, I kind of thought he was never going to come back. But he has, and good on him. Um, but, I mean, beautifully crafted, great cinematography by Robert Yeoman, uh, Alexandre Desplat, um, his score mixing up with the Benjamin Britten stuff as well is, is great. Uh, some really, really funny scenes, some really funny lines. The adult performances are all, um, uh, are all cracking as well. Um, I, I just have an awful lot of fun with it, and I think it's going to be a future film for really, really cool, level-headed 13 and 14-year-olds to see and have their minds blown by. Uh, so my number three is Moonrise Kingdom, and uh, I think it's a sensational piece of work. Uh, yeah, I... I <sighs> it didn't work for me. I, I, I enjoyed it. it. It's a solid 7 out of 10 for me, but certain parts of it didn't work. But I'm very much, I know that they didn't work for me. Sure. So, I have, I, 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 I could pick things with it, but you know what? I don't want to, because I would be nitpicking, and I don't want to nitpick with it, because it's such a sweet movie that I, I figured it would be mean-spirited to, to try and pick holes in it, just because it didn't work for me. You know, I, 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 I didn't, have a great time with it, but I didn't dislike it in any way. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's one of those where, and what I'll say is, I've I've never liked, with the exception of Rushmore, a Wes Anderson film the first time I watched it. No, sorry, with the exception of Phantom of the Fox, the first time I watched it. Didn't like Tenenbaums, Rushmore, any of them, the first time I watched it. Now, going back, the only one I don't like, having watched it again, um, was Fantastic Mr. Fox. Oh, Loved it the first time I watched it. Second time, fucking hated it. Annoyed the shit out of me. Every other one, 
didn't really like it the first time, watched them a second time, really enjoyed them. So, I, I think that I'll go into Mirror's Kingdom very much the same. I'll go about and watch it, and the bits that didn't work for me, maybe will work for me, because I'll be in a different mood. One thing I will say about it, though, is I think he needs to do something a little bit different. That's because fair. he's Because he's in danger now of just becoming Woody Allen and just making Wes Anderson movie after Wes Anderson movie Wes Anderson movie and I think he's got more potential than that not than that these films are showing but I, I don't think I need another one of these movies um, again I need something else from him I need him to show me that he can tell a different type of story um, and again that's a per- that's a completely personal thing um, you know if he gives me another Royal Tenenbaums brilliant but although I didn't dislike it I don't need another Moonrise Kingdom I don't need another Darjeeling Limited I need something else I don't need another cool movie uh, I think he needs to maybe try doing something a bit different that's interesting. I don't know. I mean, like from a visual point of view, I I can I can get that for sure. That's and what I mean. That's what I mean from a visual point of view. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. That, that, that's what I mean. Yeah. That's probably Not fair totally. Totally, I'm, I'm fine. But from a visual point of view, there, there's an argument to suggest you could cut out any segment from any Wes Anderson film as a screen and pop it into a different one, and maybe not even notice. You know, his palette is often very similar. His set design is very similar. And I think that maybe he needs to move into a different tone. It, you know, it's like the same tone, but move into a different environment. Yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah, like the kind of the, the, the diorama kind of way and like the, the opening where it's just like, it, it's it's almost like Life Aquatic where they actually made that set where it's literally, it's just going left to right and then up and then left or whatever. Like that whole kind of, thing and uh that that the, the how precisely he lays things out on 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 the screen it, it, yeah i could i could see that maybe a little bit more loosey-goosey even though there is there, there are some handheld moments in moonrise kingdom even though there's not many mm. but um right okay we're getting to the meat of it now what is your number two mark Back, I had to fucking keep myself quiet earlier in the earlier in the cast uh my number two is a film that absolutely Flawed me. Um, I watched it. I only watched it a couple of days ago. Um, I I watched it at work, but I watched it on my laptop, which is a HD screen, so I watched it in very good quality. Um, and for the last ten fifteen minutes, I actually had to go and close because because my work at the moment is quite quiet, so I, I I can quite happily sit, do my work, do the bits I need to do, and then sit and watch a film. If the phone rings, pause it. Uh, luckily the phone didn't ring while I was watching this but I actually had to go and lock the doors and take my laptop and sit in my office where nobody could see me um, and I wouldn't be able to see me if they were knocking the door to watch the last 10-15 minutes because I was just that much invested in it and the film is uh, Perks of Being a Wallflower oh, Fair play, good on you I was... I. I I don't, I don't know if it actually was on the cast, but I said to you the last time we recorded that I was worried about watching this because I thought it was going to be too twee and too hit yeah, to yeah, yeah, totally. and too full of its own self-importance. Um, and I went into it thinking all that 
Um, and about halfway through, was thinking, well, do you know what? I'm I'm enjoying it, uh, but it's not it's not quite got me yet. But I'm not hating it. Um, I've seen a few. He's not made a lot of films, but I've seen a few Ezra Miller films, and so far he's been too much Ezra Miller and not enough character for me. I don't agree with all the praise he got for Kevin. Um, I, 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 I don't agree with all the praise that film got. I think that was... I thought this was going to be that film where everybody loved it because they were supposed to love it because of the people involved with it. I don't think that's a great film. Uh, I think it's great performances. I think it looks great. I don't think it's a great film. This, however, on the other hand, I thought Ezra Miller was fantastic. I thought, like I said earlier, Emma Watson did very well with the role she was in. Um, the story, I think, is magnificent. It's sweet. It's wonderful. Yes, they would know what Heroes was. I don't believe for a fucking second that these kids know all these obscure bands and don't know Heroes by fucking David Bowie. I'm sorry, they should have picked a better song. But, nitpicking. Uh I genuinely think that Logan Lehman's performance in this film is the best performance I have seen this year, and I cannot, for the life of me, understand why he isn't getting nominated for everything. I think he is exceptional. I'm going to go spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. The bit at the end where after she's gone off and he goes back and he notices shit, this is what's happened. Oh, this, yeah, yeah. And, and, he, and, he's going, and he rings his sister. Think about it now, I'm not joking. The hairs, all of my body are stand on end. That was the bit where I went, fuck, oh my God, no. Pause. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Put my laptop and was going, shit, no, no, no. I, it had me in bits. I was, I have this thing where I, I really, I would love to be, a, I struggle to cry at movies. I'd love to be at a quiet movie, and I'm not being macho at all. Anyone who's met me knows I'm not macho at all. Um, but this had me. I was there were tears in my eyes. I was thinking, God no! If if that happens, I'm I'm done. <laughs> I I will I will be in, I will I will literally I will not have to just lock up for the next ten fifteen minutes. I will have to lock up and go home because I will be in bits. Yeah, I think it is the one of the most astounding performances from an actor that I think is actually pretty damn fucking good um, that I've seen in a long time. It is, it is a magnificent movie. It is not just hipster bullshit. I have a very high hipster bullshit um, barometer. Yeah, uh, it comes with being a thirty-year-old hipster. Who, who <laughs> I am so hipster that I've been dressing like this since before it was cool to dress like <laughs> You know, I don't have a beard to be hip. I have a beard because I want to have a fucking beard. I wear skinny jeans. Do you know why? Because they're comfortable. I wear a cardigan. Do you know why? Because it's comfortable. Not because I'm, cause it's hip to do it. That's how much of a hipster I am. I adored this movie. It was magnificent. And I... It, it, it quite easily could have been my number one movie of the year. Um, quite easily could be interchangeable with my number one, but my number one just takes it. Just just because I I, I was more surprised overall 
by my number one. Um, but Personal Wallflower floored me. I think it is a beautiful film, and I will be watching it again. Becky hasn't seen it, and I can't wait to watch it with her, because I just think it is wonderful, and one of the best explorations, explorations of what it's like to not quite fit in yeah. at school. It's wonderful. I adored it. Yeah, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be getting Donna to watch it as well, actually, I must say. Um and yeah, I mean Logan Lerman, it's just the fact that he does just he becomes this character and it's like I I've only really seen him in a in a couple of things, I think. And um like I I just never imagined he'd actually be able to pull this off, but he does really, really easily. And um yeah, yeah, no absolutely yeah. A good yeah, good stuff. That's that's great. Yeah, and it just it was it was just wonderful. I was just so, so blown out. I was listening to, I'll say, this last thing I was saying, I was listening to the Kermode Best of the Year um, podcast, um, and so many people um, were tweeting in and or emailing in saying that Perspective Warflower was their number three film. And I was thinking, ah, fucking typical fucking hipster fucking <laughs> knobheads. You know, oh, it's that fucking hell. And I was... I was actually almost convincing myself that I wasn't going to like it. And I was just so blown away with how wonderful it was. I think Logan Lerman is going to be a very... he He's the new generation. I think Ezra Miller is will, will be doing the roles that 15, 20 years ago Johnny Depp was doing before um, he succumbed to the Disney dollar. Um... I thought he was exceptional in it. I thought the whole thing was magnificent. I was blown away by it. <laughs> nice. Right, go on, what's your number two? Uh, my number two is um, a film that has, uh, has been number one of the year for me for a, a little while, but it, it kind of, over the last week or so, it's chopped and changed, and it is my number two. It's uh, Ben Zeitlin's Beast of the Southern Wild. Um seen it i really wanted to see it but i just ran out of time yeah it's um it's a hell of a film i, I won't say too much but um it it, it basically i mean it is it kind of magic realism but uh, in this a very kind of uh de- kind of depressing setting which is made beautiful through convention a wallace's um storming performances in the lead uh dwight henry uh, uh as her father he's got a lot of depth to his uh to his role as well i've seen beasts a couple of times now and um it, that there's a lot going on with his performance frankly those who have seen it will probably know what i'm talking about um uh, yeah uh, the score is wonderful i listen to it quite often um Cinematography, fantastic. Um, it, it is beautiful, but there's like a, a lot of dan- uh, danger that's brought out in it as well. Um, and I, it's, it's just it's little things like the the, the way the, the camera's placed, where it's basically it's basically always told at Quivenzhen Wallace's point of view. So if like if she's looking up at someone, it's not quite first person, but it's looking up at them and. It, it, you know, and, and if the, somebody's talking at, at her, it'll be looking up at them, and then vice versa. You know, it, it's it's um, it, it, it's 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 very very interestingly done. Um, it really really spoke uh, uh, spoke to me when I saw it in the cinema. It um, uh, 
it, it absolutely heartbreaking but heartwarming at the same time. Uh, it tries to do an awful lot with not that many elements, and it, it manages to be entertaining and really quite profound at the same time. Uh, it's it's a it's a pretty special film, and it's 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 easy to think that it's just like the film that hipsters want to like that hipsters want to like, but no, it's just a really really good film. And I hope it squeaks in to get a Best Picture nomination when the Oscar nominations are out on Thursday. It probably won't, but I'd love it if it did. So that's my number two. So, Mark, I genuinely have no idea what your number one is. I, I, I have genuinely no idea what your number one is. So let's go to our bottom five. Uh, I, 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 so what I've been doing, I've been, I've been writing yours down as a thing going. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Just to keep track. Um, I, I, I have no idea. Um, right, let's go to our, our bottom five. I, I I have I have one rant to do on it. The other ones I'm just gonna I, I will rattle through just and just off, say yeah. why I think it's shit. But I have one rant for uh, for it, and so I'm gonna save up my time for that. So, do you want me to go? It was my go ahead, mate. Five. Uh, number five. Number five. My number five is a film we all we saw at Fright Fest. Um, we had two films in my bottom five that we saw at Fright Same. Fest. Same. Um, and my number five is Power of 3D. Um. <laughs> Because it's shit. It's pointless. It has. It makes no sense at all. It is retarded. There's no reason for it to be in 3D other than the fact that they have a 3D camera. That is it. It's shit. Do not watch it. I will guarantee you it will come out on DVD or Blu-ray at some point this year because it's the type of shit that gets released. But it is fucking awful. Do not be fooled by the cool Asda DVD cover it will have. Uh, that's a bit of an inside baseball joke. Nice. I like it. Uh, my number five, um, even though I had quite a good time watching it at Fright Fest, it's fucking terrible. It's Tulpa. Um, <laughs> it was so close, but I actually enjoyed it. it the, the, thing, the thing is, it's like, it was really weird because uh, the filmmakers <laughs> were there. It was the world premiere. And it turned out, uh, I think Alan Jones actually said he hadn't seen it yet. And... Like, what a mistake to make her. Uh, just because Federico Sabaglioni, the director, is a friend of the Fright Fest guys, does not mean that his film should get a Saturday night at nine o'clock key Fright Fest slot. Uh, also, he, he produced um, Power of 3D. Yeah. He was his production company that made it. Yeah, so there you go. Um, embarrassing for everybody involved, in particular... Um, the best friend girl, the woman best friend character. Oh, fucking hell. Uh, the thing is, it, it's good for the first 20 minutes. It's, it's decent for the first 20 minutes, and it builds it up, and then it just fucking falls off a cliff. It had, yeah, and I mean, it, it, like, by about an hour in, everybody but the most uptight people were just openly laughing at the film, and pretty much uh, every single line. Um and it deserved it because it was inept, terrible, just the, the, some of the worst, like, I mean, and this is a Fright Fest audience, but some of the worst dubbing you've probably ever seen in your life. Um, yeah. Just just brutal. That's Tulpa. It, Number, uh, it, it's just just because just because you can make a movie doesn't mean you can make a movie. And actually, do you know what? I've just realised that was actually my number six. My apologies. My bad. My number five is actually The Pact. Sorry. Uh, the Pact. Uh, one of the most... It's shit as well. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen it? 
Yeah, shit. Nothing <laughs> happens for 90 uh-huh. minutes. And, like, I do not know how this actually got a theatrical release in the UK. Yeah. But nothing happens. And by the end of the film, I'm not entirely sure where the supernatural element even came into play. Uh, it's it's absolute bollock yogurt. Anyway, you're number four. Uh, my number four is uh, is one that I think might be higher up on your worst list. So is it higher up or lower down? And I'm not quite sure. Um, I watched it. Well, I watched it for the simple fact is that uh, I wanted to watch a few movies that I knew were going to be shit to see if they were shit because I knew we'd be doing a bottom five list. My number four is Project X. Um, a, a thoroughly horrible movie um, a thoroughly pointless movie a thoroughly retarded movie that if you took out slow motion shots of kids dancing to a bad dubstep song out of the film it would be 30 minutes long um, contains up. one of the most irritating annoying just fucking pointlessly dickhead characters I have ever known in a movie in the fucking ah oh, that little fucking shit what was his name Costa. I'm, 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 Costa what a little fucking cunt how nobody has killed him I have no idea and he's a character how nobody has actually found out a way to go all fucking stranger than fiction and to actually murder that kid, I don't know. Because if anybody watches that and thinks that kid's cool, I hope you get hit by a fucking bus. Because, oh my God. If it had taken him out of it, I wouldn't have hated it as much. It would have gone by as yeah, being all right. I'd agree with but, that. Yeah. But it is, it, it is the way that you can get... And I know he's supposed to be annoying, right? But... They try and make it so that he's annoying, but funny and cool with it. He's not. He's a dickhead. Yeah. And as well, it's complete bullshit. It just... The, it, it, there's a moment where the guy comes out with the flamethrower, where I was like... I was going, do you know what? Yeah, that kid's annoying, but this isn't as bad as people are... Oh. Yes, it is. Yes, it is as bad as people are saying. Uh, just a thoroughly pointless, retarded <laughs> film made for uh, this generation's 16 to 18 year olds who have quite clearly uh, been proven to be fucking retarded. What's your number four? I'm saying nothing. Uh, that, my that's, num- that's, not, that's not my rant, by the way. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, my number four is Power of 3D, everything you said. <laughs> Don't. Yeah. You're number three, mate. My number three is, I've already talked about on a previous podcast, is Total Recall. Yep. Yeah. Fucking pointless, fucking shite, um, and yeah, it's just shit. It's just shit. Your number, your number three. Uh, my number three is a fantastic fear of everything. Um, Simon Pegg, just because your mate wants to make a film with you in, doesn't mean you actually have to be in it. Um, it's an hour and a half of Simon Pegg getting scared by stuff and having an inner monologue. Uh, being annoying, um, I don't know, just, it, it's just, it's absolute bollocks. It's, it's basically an art student thinking he's incredibly smart and coming out with this just 
pile of gash, which uh, Simon Pegg, it, it's almost like the director was a Make-A-Wish Foundation kid dying of cancer, and Simon <laughs> Pegg made, the, like, made his wish by agreeing to star in his little shitty project. Um, it, like, it, it, one of the biggest bombs in terms of wide releases in the UK this year, uh, last year, if not the biggest, uh, absolute bollock yogurt, which has disappeared and will probably never surface again. Um, considering Simon Pegg also made Paul in the last couple of years, he's actually managed to make a more disappointing film for me and Fantastic Theory of Everything, which an hour and a half of Simon Pegg should not be bad, but Fantastic Theory of Everything is absolute shite. Your number two, my man. My number two um, is a movie that is so ugly and so retarded that I cannot believe it's actually got a distributor. Uh, My number two is The Seasoning House, um, which the only good thing that could ever come out of The Seasoning House is the fact that I now use um, the phrase to season in house somebody. And um, it, it means basically to fuck somebody to death, because that is what a big, dumb guy does in it. I thought, it I thought you meant to get stuck in a pipe. Yeah, it, it is a fucking retarded movie that goes from being this ugly, pointless, not shocking. It's not shocking what, what the director are. And also, what I will say is, um, linking into the seasoning house, um, one of my favourite things of the year um, came from the seasoning house. Um, and it was, uh, what's the name of the director? I can't remember his name, I hate him that much. Oh, Paul Hyatt. Paul Hyatt. One of my highlights of the year in general, not just cinematic highlights of the year, one of my highlights of the year was Jordan being a fucking hero to the world and telling Paul Hyatt to shut the fuck up because he wouldn't stop talking throughout a film during Fright Fest. Right? Not only did he do that, he made one of the just most pathetic films I have seen in a long time. It was shite. And it went diehard at the end. It was, ah, oh, it was just fucking awful. And Paul Hyatt also has Seasoning House wallpaper on his phone, which is hilarious. Yes, he does, doesn't he? What a cunt. Like, yeah, that, it was incredible how awful. much contempt he obviously had for everything going on around him. It was, it, yeah, it was quite something. It, it's listed as a horror film. It's not a horror film. It's just it's a pointless, oh, look how shocking a film I made. It's an exploration into the fuck off. It's an exploration into you thinking that you're smarter than you are, you horrendous cunt. Yeah, it's it's a miserable experience. It was it was my number 10 worst film of the year. Um, it, yeah, a, a, a shockingly bad film. Um, and somehow it's got a distributor, but it's not going to do a fucking thing. Uh, what I will say is, Paul Hyatt, when he does other things... When he does the other job that he does within the film market, he's actually quite good at it. Makeup but, effects, he's great. He's really, really good. Yes, but directing, fucking. Pretty much. As a general person, I think you're a terrible person, Paul. There we go. Right, um, what is your number two worst film of the year? My number two worst film of the year is uh, Keith Lemon, the film, oh, which ew. we will. You cannot have seen a worse film than this. I'm I did. I guess my worst film is. I did. All right. 
the the leash is off. Mark, go. At first, I need. To, I know it's going out of sequence. I need to I tell me what film's worse. Project X. Uh, I, no. Yes. I disagree with you. Do you know what? Right, I'm going to say it now. Keith Lemon is not only the worst film I have seen this year. It is the worst <laughs> film I have ever seen. It has managed to oust the devil's chair. Right, I'm one of those people who I. When people say, what's your favourite film, right? Right now, my favourite film of all time is Apocalypse Now. You ask me in three weeks' time, it might be First Blood. It will flit and change. I know that's wrong, but it will. And it will change. Just depending on what exactly I mean. It will always flit and change between those two, but those two only. Right? My worst of all time, whenever anyone said it, what's the worst thing they've seen? Devil's Chair. Fucking shit. Horrible, ugly film. It is now this. This isn't... And I, I have an argument to state why I might be wrong. The reason why I might be wrong is... This isn't a film. Just because it was released in a cinema, and it's called The Film, and they're calling it a film, doesn't make it a film. If I take a shit on a piece of kitchen foil, and I put it in the oven... And I get it out and give it to somebody and go, this is a cake. That doesn't make it a <laughs> fucking cake. This isn't a film. If anybody, and I, I, comedy is absolutely 100% subjective. It is within the eye of the beholder. If you behold an eye, right, <laughs> find this amusing, you need to see a doctor. Not just a psychologist or a psychiatrist, not that kind of doctor, an actual proper doctor, because it is very likely you have a brain tumour. It is... And you watched it, and I, I, I agreed with you that it was going to be retarded. Right? I'm going to run through a few people, because they happen to be as celebrity cameos. Peter Andre, right? I can see why he'd do this. He's a type of low-rent, Z-list celebrity cunt that would do this, right? Barlow, why the fuck are you in this? Right? Um, I'm looking at Philip Schofield, why the fuck are you in it? Johnny DeCampo, you're a fucking celebrity chef. What the fuck are you doing in this movie? Everybody else, I can see it. Right? I'm sorry, but didn't Bo Selector get cancelled years ago? Why is he recycling characters? From that. Yeah, that's those are some fucking weird moments because like it, it's like the people who like Keith Lemon probably don't have any idea like where he fucking gets the little bear out in one shot. Like doesn't doesn't the little bear from Bo Selector turn up? It does turn up at some point. It, it it's ridiculous. If this film gets released in America, I am sorry, America. Right? Anything, anything you have done to the world at all, right? You don't deserve this. Nobody deserves Keith Lemon the film. It is an abomination. Kelly Brook, you should... <coughs> that's it. You should give up on everything. You should go into hiding. You described it as she basically prostitutes herself. You could not be further from the truth. This is a more pointless, distasteful, misogynistic bag of... Bollocks! You could not get it. Is 
the, the comedy is as simple as, as this, as Kevin Bishop talks like a very tired. What? Oh, sorry, is that funny? Yeah. All oh, right. Oh, that's that, that, that's funny. Is he retarded? Maybe. Is he? We don't know. Maybe he might. Be. He is retarded. Maybe. So I'm, I'm, I'm not getting what's funny here, right? Keith Lennon talks like that, right? And 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 and, and makes smutty jokes and says stuff like I wanged or whatever he says on your bangers, right? Oh, oh, I finally know where the phrase bang tidy comes from. It can fuck off. I, I was angry watching this film. If, if, if this film was a person, I would gladly do 20 years murdering it. <laughs> I would film it and I would put it on YouTube. And do you know what? It'd be better than this fucking film. It is the anti-comedy. <laughs> yeah. It's not... A, it's not a film. Just because it's released in the cinema doesn't make it a film. Sorry, it's not a film, right? I can go and see operas in a cinema, but they're not classified as films. I don't think that a film and I should have to classify this as a film. It's not. It's a TV special that's fucking Lionsgate, fucking Lionsgate, deemed worthy of putting up as a film. If I had the amount of money that Keith Lemon has in the film, right, I would have paid, I would have guaranteed Lionsgate, said to them, how much do you think it's going to make? Oh, I think it's going to make like um, 10 million. I'll give you 20 and not release it. Yeah. I would have done that because this is a fucking abomination on cinema. Now, and I've done... the thing is, I agree with all of that, but the reason why it's not my worst film of the year, and I do agree with all of that, but the reason why it's not my worst film of the year is because it didn't surprise me that it was that bad. Pro- but, okay, I one, actually, I will say one last thing, right? The scene where... Kelly Brooks finally says she's going to fuck him, right? And he just he comes for like 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah. Right? That's not risky. It's not funny. It's not clever. It's not good, gross-out things. It, it, it's just... I, I, I feel so fucking pretentious saying this. It's just vulgar. It is. It is. It's depressing. You're basically watching a woman get come all over her for 30 seconds. Mm. And like we were saying when we talked about Keith Lemon, when I watched it, the fact that this character gets a primetime show on ITV and we're, and yet the media are going nuts about, you know, Jimmy Savile. Yes, he did terrible, terrible, terrible things. He is dead. And, you know, it was 40 years ago. The fact that this character is doing this stuff, and though Keith Levin the film is like a 15 and whatnot, it's blatantly obvious it's 12-year-olds who find it, it funny. Uh, it, 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 it's 12 to 15-year-olds that are watching this. And I'm sorry, but this sets... And I'm sounding like yeah, yeah, no, uh, I agree. I know what you're going to say, and I agree. such a bad example... So not only guys who, because women sort of seem to gravitate to one say, oh, you know, you've got fucking the vacuum of charisma that is, um, that, I, she's such a vacuum, I can't remember, Fern Cotton, right, who is nepotism at its 
best sure. because her granddaddy works for um, BBC, don't they? And that's how she got all of her fucking jobs. Yeah. The the fact that she once says, "Oh, I think he's quite sexy." Like, really? I don't, I don't believe you for a start off. Um, but the fact that they think that 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 kind of behaviour is a acceptable and b funny is is worrying. And not only the fact that it's it's also terrible from a feministical point of view. It's terrible from a um a, 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 a male point of view. And I feel ashamed that 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 this is how British men are portrayed. I remember I don't live too far away from fucking Leeds. Um, I feel ashamed about that, but I also feel ashamed that that I feel worried that that this is what people think are amusing. Yeah, yeah. Like, that, I, 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 yes, yeah. we've talked for too long about this. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 believe me, I agree with all of that. It's just like Project X. I just, I was hoping for something, you know, because like the, the, I thought the concept was interesting, and it was just everybody was unlikable. And again, it's it's like Keith Lemon. It's like these characters who are somehow supposed to be likable and sympathetic, and they are just disgusting. Uh, I mean, the Keith Lemon is more disgusting, but it's just the fact that Keith Lemon, I, I knew, I knew it was going to be shit. A fair point. I would take your point. Uh, okay, so um, we're. Yeah, so we're nearly three hours in, so uh, we're we're going to get going now. Yeah, what we what we have just say what we decide now is thank you everyone for responding in and giving us your sort of top threes and stuff like that. But we're not going to read them out on this show, so we simply we don't want to go over that three hour mark. Uh, but that gives you a chance to email in your thoughts um, on a review of the year uh, into the show, and we'll do them on the next episode, and we'll respond to a few other emails on the next episode. Um, but we love getting emails off you, um, and we, we love getting uh, into Twitter conversations with people that are new to us via the show. It's brilliant. Keep fucking doing it. Yeah. We always love that about film. Defo. Uh, we, right. were, we were planning on doing feedback. It's just the show is running long, so, yeah. Which is, it always will. It's going to be it's an end-of-year show. Yeah. Right. Your number one, my man. Let's do this. My number one. Was, it was the last film I watched. Are you still there? Yeah. Oh, bad. Let's pick it. The last film I watched this year, uh, it came out. It came out actually sort of quite early into the year, to be honest. Um, I'd heard it was good. Uh, it was a January release, um, and I adore the director, but I didn't think this film would get me as much as it did. My number one of the year is Joe Carnahan's The Grey. Oh my uh, God! Are you serious? Yeah. Why? My number like one film, film of the year is Joe Carnahan's The Grey. Fuck off. Seriously? Yeah. I, when you, when I, was, I was wondering, thinking, when you were going through it, I was right now, thinking, oh, I, I, I think it all went into The Grey. I thought, oh, it must have, because I know you watched it, you watched it when it came out. Yeah, I thought, yeah. oh, it, it must have dropped out. Honestly. Fucking hell. Yeah, um, uh, right. I'll, I'll, I'll just quickly say my little bit, then you can say your little bit, and then we'll say our both bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's Joe Carnahan, his past couple of films that he's made, um, I think he's a great director, uh, by the way, um, but the past few films he's made have been The A-Team um, and Smoking Aces, which are very big, in-your-face and brash films. Um, the A-Team, I think, was great. It was brilliant. 
Um, I thought it was really enjoyable. I've watched it a number of times, and I think it's brilliant. And I'm very sad that it didn't make enough money for them to to warrant making another one um, at the box office because I know for a, I know it's made a shit ton on um, home release. Um, so hopefully that might tick it over, and in time we might get it. I also loved Smoking Aces. I thought that was a great film. I'm a huge apologist for that film. Um, but this film is so much more than Liam Neeson versus Wolves. It's uh-huh. a very stripped down um, look at sort of a group of guys in this situation where they they know they're probably not going to survive, but they still want to fucking try. And it's the it's the age old adage of it's about the human about humanity and man's will to live at all fucking costs. And the fact that Liam Neeson's character, um, um, Otway, he he takes on this leader role because partly because <laughs> he's the artist, but also because he knows that he knows more about what's out there than anybody else. Um and he's not trying to be a leader because, you know, he, he, he wants to be. He's doing it because he knows he's got more of a chance of surviving with these people than on his own. Yeah. He knows they've got more of a chance of surviving with him than anybody else. The fact that he quite easily could, could kill Frank Grillo's character. Yeah. But, in the scene where he pins him down and takes him on, 30 seconds later, he's protecting him. Because he knows that he's just scared and he's acting out. Yeah. And it's, all the performances are fantastic, but Neeson is, goes to a new level. He's got, he, he's getting better. And it's such a ferocious performance. And directorial wise, it is magnificent. The plane crash is astonishing. Yeah. It is man. The, the, it, it, that 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 every director out there, that is how you use shaky cam. That is how you use a handheld cam. Is for that and for that rolling around and the fact that we don't see it crash, we see it crashing, and then it goes black and we see Neeson. It, it, it's 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 that one shot where it's like it's fixed on Neeson and then it's like. Like bang, and then suddenly the entire like cabin has been ripped open, and yeah. it, it, it's just like the ground coming. It's it's amazing. It is, it is an astonishing. The fact that I was I I was not very well at all watching this film. Felt like shit, um, and was doped up on all kinds of different medication, um, and was sat drinking a lemon. A hot lemon and whiskey drink, uh, and was just sat with bits of tissue up my nose, just to stop it from streaming with snot and horrible mucusness. And I was watching this film, just absolutely just gripped into it. Definitely. Uh, and at the end of it, I was sort of said to my Becky and was like, "So what do you think?" I thought it was alright. What do you think? I thought it was astonishing. I'm, I'm shaking. I thought it was that good. It's it's, it's genuinely a film that I think 
I don't say this often, but I think it's one that men would genuinely get more out of than women. Absolutely. It's that thing about manliness and trying to come to terms with, like, what, like, how much spirit you actually have and how well you cope with these things. The scene towards the end with the character sitting down, you know, Uh just like that, his, like, moment of clarity. It just, it feels like such a man thing. And, and, like, brave as well. Despite what he's doing out of context would not seem all that brave. You know, it, it, it just, like, the way he's just accepting his faults and who he is. Yeah. It's it's staggering stuff. It, 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 it's the... It, it's very much the... The DS character of, of him saying, you know... I'm not worth. What I've got out there isn't worth carrying on for. It isn't. But it just isn't the fact that he's accepting to himself that he doesn't yeah. have the strength to fight for it. Exactly, and it, 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 it's and the fact that Liam Neeson's character sees it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, Dallas Roberts' character just he quite can't get his head around it, but. Liam Neeson's character, you know, he, he he sees that that's that's what it is that he's this guy's done. He's gone as far as he can go. He, all the fight has gone, and to continue, he prefer to die there now, yeah, than, than somewhere else. Uh, it's also a very brave film because it would have been easy to have spoiler alert. To have got everybody out, it would have been easy to have done that, and it would have been nobody would have blamed them. But the fact that he doesn't, and the fact that from start to finish, you know, the end scene is is the is you know, the one that you associate most with the film, and it's the closing scene, and you don't expect that to be the closing scene. Yeah. You expect there to be more beyond that, and the fact that there isn't is a brilliant directorial decision. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it just, yeah, and I mean, that ending as well. I mean, okay, you don't need the post-credits bit. Um, I mean, have you seen that? No. Oh, okay. Uh, there's a bit after the credits. It's only about five seconds. Wait, what, what happens? I might have actually. Uh, it, it's kind of the, the resolution of what happened in the fight. I haven't seen it. Should have done that, but I wasn't very ill. But I don't care. I don't care. You don't need it. You you don't need it. And to be honest, the film is better without it. Do you know what? Do you know what? Even if it was him dancing with them, it wouldn't. Yeah, that's The only thing, right, that would ruin it is if Keith Lemon was in it. I agree. Or the kid from Project X. Oh, that little cunt from Project X, yeah. If, yeah, I mean, I don't know, I suppose if the fat one from Project X had got eaten by a wolf, then maybe, but, um, yeah, I don't know, it, it just, it's a, it's a staggering piece, I think it's Liam Neeson working out some very personal shit on screen. Um, yeah, I think maybe, yeah. I mean, like, the fact that Bradley Cooper was originally going to be in that role staggers me, I, I yeah. don't see how that film would have happened at all. Um, yeah, I, I just, like, I, wonderful production value everything just l- looks great the wolves are sinister as fuck 
and fucking terrifying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really, that one bit where the guy cuts off the wolf's head and then just like, um, throws it. Yeah. yeah uh, it, it, it's um, and and then and then their reaction is amazing. Um, yeah, I. Th- that's brilliant. We both had the grey as number one. That's fantastic. I was. After I watched it, I was I was going I was sat, uh, went to bed, couldn't sleep, so I felt so much like shit. Um, so I got up and I sat thinking. That's when I started thinking, what's what 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 am I what what are my top ten films? Not what's my number one. Not what are my top ten. Just try to pick out what was going to be there. And all the time, my brain kept going, well, the grey is number one. And I was thinking, no, 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 no. That's between the Dark Knight Rises and Twenty One Jump Street. Yeah. Nah. And my brain gets good. Nah, it's the grey. I was like, no, it's, it's the. Oh wait, no, it is. That's the grey. And although, like I say, Perks takes it very close. I am very comfortable in the fact that the grey, and I'm very happy that the grey is my number one film of the year. I think it is a, an astonishing film. And like you say, I think it could be a very a very male. I don't want to say you won't like it or anything like that. No, but it, I think it, it will appeal on a different that, that, on that a, level. Yeah, a different level to, to men. Maybe, maybe that's just because I'm a dude. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm fairly confident in that, and it's, it's not me. I, I, yeah, I agree. Um, I, I think obviously women can like the grey. You know, I'm not saying it's impossible. I just, I think there's some shit in there that that men would get onto particularly. Right. Um, I've just had Becky's just finished watching VHS. We've got a VHS update, and I've just received this text. VHS is shit contrived, over high stories, just boring. There we go. Agree. Go on, right, Becky. Everybody does that. Um, any, anything to, to add? I will. I, I have one just other thing to add. Um, I've seen a film that doesn't come out uh, proper till next year um, called Room 237, uh, which is about The Shining. Uh, hey, that got a theatrical this year. I watched it in yeah. Cineworld. Did you? Yeah. Fuck, what did you think of it? Uh, I thought it was pretty good. Um, I, I needed to, I, I watched it after like a shift at work, so I was quite tired and I wasn't in the right frame of mind, but it was one of those one day only Cineworld things. Um, oh, I, 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 I forgot that it had been released this year. Oh, that would be my second worst film of the year. <laughs> wow, fair enough. I hate it. It's pointless. <laughs> oh, I quite enjoyed it, just like for how far the rabbit hole people can go, but never mind. That's it. I think I might have viewed it. I, I, I thought it was going to be a lot more serious than it was. Oh, fair and enough. It wasn't, it wasn't. It was just people being fucking retarded. Nice. Um, yeah, right. I, I, what I will say is I think 2012 was a fantastic year. Solid. Defo. I think anyone who says anything different, you didn't watch enough films. Defo. Or you like Keith Lemon, which makes you really happy. Yes. Um, yeah, brilliant. I'm really fucking glad both of us. Yeah, so am I. Um, we will get to feedback on the next show. Yeah. I know we said that last show, but we're, we are teetering at the three-hour mark, and yeah. we don't want to go over that. So we'll do like a, a viewer's review, or a, viewer's, a listener's review of 2012 on the next show, which is going to be... Is it Les Mis we're doing? Yeah, we'll do Les Mis. Um, we'll do... Les Mis. We'll do Les Mis, we'll do uh, Richard Linklater's Suburbia. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, whatever discussion topic comes to mind in the next week. Yes, brilliant. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, we hope to give you a lot of um, a lot of content over the next year. Not sure we are going to uh, 
crop up every so often with a drunk comedy. Um, I will be heading down to Cardiff to see no, uh, no, see Ian and Donna, uh, where we'll be, we'll be recording at least one drunk commentary Definitely. while I'm down there. I'm probably a show as well. Thanks for listening here towards the end of 2012. We ought to have some great fucking stuff for you in 2013. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't say the better than myself. Nice one, bud.